Beyond the Dark brings you sci-fi short stories that invite you to explore questions like what drives us, what makes us human, and what else lies out there undiscovered. At times, you'll encounter some mature themes, so listener discretion is advised. From this high up, it was hard to feel any sort of connection with the world below. People were motes of dust in the streetlights, swirling through the darkened lanes and alleyways without any sense of order or purpose. I pressed my head against the plexiglass. I felt as though I was floating 207 stories high. Hello there. I stepped away from the window. Uh, hello, Mr. Wilkins. There were rumours, company myths almost, that he was 110 years old. From this close, he looked every bit of it. What a pleasure to finally meet you. You've been waiting to meet me. He shook my hand. It was cold and leathery. Well... We have noticed you down there. Now, if you care to sign this, I think the matter will be done with. I signed the promotional document without reading the fine print. I was ecstatic. Chances like this didn't come round often at Machinko. Mr. Wilkins yanked the form out from under my grasp almost before I had made the last stroke of my signature. You'll start work on level 87 tomorrow. 87? I was that high already. And report to sub-level 19 before you leave.
Sub-level 19 was nothing like the other floors at Machinko. There were no alabaster workbenches, no spotless white carpets. Here, it was dank, dark, and that noise. A humming, throbbing sound like a sickly heartbeat hiding behind the whir of a great machine. A large metal cage loomed out of the darkness, backlit by an iridescent blue monitor, on which a cursor blinked idly. A metal panel slid out of an aperture in the cage near the monitor, and suddenly the cursor came to life. It read, Insert hand here. Curious, I lay my hand on the panel, palm down, and immediately the panel retracted, taking me with it. I couldn't budge my hand. It seemed stuck fast to the panel. What happened next was a blur. Dreamlike images. It felt like I was watching this happen to someone else. My hand being severed by a flash of light. The hand removed by a mechanical claw. A replacement hand attached. On the outside, it looked human, but in the moment before it was attached to my wrist, I saw that inside were metal rods for bones, tiny cogs, and levers for tendon and muscle. A machine hand. On the shuttle home, I couldn't help but stare at my new hand. I kept flexing my fingers and twisting it back and forth. It felt fine. There wasn't even a scar. Already the episode in the bowels of Machinko seemed like just a bad dream. Jane responded to the news of my promotion with caution. Does this mean I'm going to see less of you? Look, I need to work hard to get ahead. It won't always be this way. I barely see you as it is. You come in at night, eat, shower and go to bed. Okay, so I'm running short on time here and there. You're not making time, that's the point. I promise it won't be like that, Jane. I'll make time. I leaned forward and slid my hand across the table. Almost reluctantly, she placed hers in mine. 
I felt nothing as her fingertips ran across my palm. It was almost as if she was touching someone else's hand. I realized it was the hand I had placed inside the cage on sub-level 19. I snatched my hand back from Jane and touched my fingers with the other hand. The machine hand was cold, like the temperature of a metal bench top or the bonnet of a car after it had been sitting in the cool of a garage. What's wrong? I forced a smile and hid my hand under the table. Nothing. Level 87, demands on my time increased. I had meetings with people who used to boss me around. I regularly caught a later shuttle home. My new hand never regained feeling. I found that it typed faster than my old one at least. Eventually, I adjusted to typing with just the machine hand. not to touch Jane with my new hand. It didn't feel right. I bought an expensive guitar I'd always wanted to play. The hand did not seem well equipped for playing it. The guitar quickly became a six-stringed ornament. have one new message. Hey, it's me. Um, I just thought I'd let you know. My dad came round and fixed the side gate. I know you said you'd do it, but, um, well, anyway, I'll talk to you later, I suppose. Deleted. You have no new messages. When I was elevated to a job on level 119, I once again found myself in the office of Mr. Wilkins up on level 207. I didn't remember applying for the position. One day I was hard at work, and the next I was being told I was on the way up, that my application was successful. Mr. Wilkins went through his routine mechanically, like an automaton. Once again, I signed the promotional document. And once again, I was told to report to sub-level 19. I 
found it difficult to approach the cage, and for a moment I considered backing out. Almost without my consent, it seemed a new hand reached behind me and pushed on the doorframe, propelling me across the floor toward the terminal. It read, lie on panel feet first. I dreaded lying on it, thinking of what it might do to me. And I think in some ways I realized there would be no turning back. Ironically, I was afraid that should I not proceed, someone else in the company would take my place. All of my hard work would go to waste and I would be stuck on level 87. So I lay down on the panel. It slid forward. The light flashed. And I heard the claw. I received an improvement to my legs. I began to forget things. Not about work, of course. My knowledge and skill in doing my job only improved after the changes. I forgot Jane's birthday and her cat's name. I couldn't remember whether she liked chocolate or walks in the park. I didn't care either. I was only home a few hours a day to sleep. It barely registered with me that she was there most of the time and that made it difficult for me to recognize that at some point, she had left. solutions were reached, deals were struck, and I contributed instinctively and effectively. My job hardly required thought anymore. From time to time, I seemed to duck in and out of consciousness. I would find myself in a meeting with people I didn't recognize, with no recollection of how I got here. I would be engaged in conversation with them, the words flowing from me with a strange surety as if I was an automatic pilot while I was out to it. When I was promoted to level 163, I received more physical upgrades. I felt like there was a gulf opening between myself and the workers on lower floors. From this high up the organization, it was hard to feel any sort of association with the people below. They were slow, ponderous creatures without any sense of order or purpose. I could feel nothing now below my neck, where everything had been replaced. But this did not concern me greatly. A sense of touch was not necessary for the tasks I was required to carry out at the company.
found myself in another meeting. A young, neatly dressed woman sat in the room waiting for me. She watched me quietly, but said nothing. I wondered if perhaps she was assessing me for another promotion. Good morning. What are we here for today? What? What can I do for you? Am I wasting your time being here? At the moment, yes. Can we get down to business? I've already wasted too much time. Well, tell me what company you're from. I'll schedule another meeting. What's your name? There was a tinge of emotion in her eyes that I couldn't identify. I was getting worse at interpreting people's feelings. Jane. My name is Jane. I should have been very happy the day I was promoted to level 201 and became part of the elite. But it only registered minimally. I seemed incapable of emotions such as triumph, joy and satisfaction of late. How quickly time passes. It seems like just yesterday you were here for your first promotion. I had no recollection of the passage of time. Mr. Wilkins, how long has it been? Our records tell us you have been with the company 24 years. I was shocked. Had it really been that long? Mr. Wilkins seemed oblivious as he produced the latest promotional document and allowed me to sign. Excellent. Now if you report to sub-level 19, the transaction will be complete. A feather of emotion scratched at the wall I had so carefully constructed around my inner feelings. It was fear. Why would I go there? Surely my modifications are complete. I mean, there's nothing else to be done to me, is there? There are more modifications that can be done. Good day. In the elevator, I pressed the button for the ground floor. I decided I would leave. Leave the building. Leave the company. I was not returning again to sub-level 19. At ground level, the elevator doors opened. I saw people walking past on the street. 
saw a traffic light change from green to yellow to red. I stepped forward, but I didn't. I stayed rooted in the same spot. My machine body had taken over. My hand reached out and pressed the button for sub-level 19. to walk straight back out of there and get in the elevator. But I had no choice anymore. My legs carried me forward. The terminal read, lie on panel head first. I was walking forward, powerless to stop. There were things in my memory I tried desperately to reach. Seemingly random images of people I didn't know. They were like feathers in the wind, dancing just out of my grasp. And then they were gone. Nothing, nothing, I reached the cage, lay on the thin sheet of metal, and let my head rest against the shiny surface. I felt the coldness of it on my cheek. Machine, featuring Ron Schlossberg, Samantha Bayar, and Robert Blythe. Written, directed, composed, and produced by me, Mark R. Healy. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and add a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Beyond the Dark is an independent production, and I need your help to keep it going, so please visit patreon.com slash beyondthedark if you'd like to hear more episodes. You can also find my full-length novels and music at markrhealy.com. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see you in the next one. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. It happened in the quiet town of Podunk, an ages-old family mystery. What happened with great-grandpa? Why won't you talk about it? Because there's nothing to say, Ninten. Begets an unprecedented paranormal event. Help, brother! Poltergeists. My lamp attacked me! 
It was hovering the air. It unplugged itself and came at me. Mind control. Why is that crow smoking a cigarette? Okay, we're playing inside today. Zombies. I could have gotten out of here on my own. You were hiding in a coffin. It was a good disguise. Extraterrestrials. You've seen them too? I've been observing them for days. <laughs> I beat up aliens with my baseball bat. Children with psychokinetic powers. I let that little light of mine shine, Mama. And it melted the darkness away. And that's just the beginning. Introducing Mother She Wrote, a travelogue diary through the biggest cult phenomena in video game history, the Mother series, as it's called in Japan, and Earthbound, as it's called everywhere else. Each episode, we recount the story through immersive audio drama as it's lived by the characters, unpacking the surreal adventures, tear-jerking moments, and what it all means. If you're new to the series, we'll take you beyond the controller and into the story. And if you're a longtime fan, relive these tales like never before and learn fascinating new facts about your favorite games. Find Mother She Wrote on your favorite podcast player and at MotherSheWrote.Earth.